Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today, I'm here with Matthew Oates. Matthew, thank you for taking time out of your afternoon. Thanks, Dave. I'm happy to be here. Uh, we're going to talk all about what it's like to join Leading Agile, to get started here. We're going to talk about what it's like to go through onboarding, but uh, Matthew kind of broke into the museum late at night and nobody's shown up for the day shift yet. So we're going to learn all about that. And then we're going to come back later and do another one after he's gone through all the onboarding stuff. Um, so do you want to explain the museum joke that I stole from you? Yeah, you're, you're stealing <laughs> my thunder here. So uh, yeah, I joined Leading Agile at like the most fascinating time, uh, middle of December uh, and a consulting firm is a time where if you join at that, at that point, uh, you're sort of going to walk in and you're going to be, you know, it's also the museum, maybe that John Travolta you know, gif or gif, I don't know how you pronounce it, where you sort of walk in and you're waving and, and people are sort of heading out the door for the year. So I, I joined at this opportunity where uh, I essentially got sent a, a whole ton of links to get up to speed, knowing that down the road, I'll get to do some onboarding. But for the last like two weeks of the year, I just got to explore everything that there is to know about leading agile from the inside. And it was just like this amazing experience. That's, that's the museum joke there. So it's open right. back up again, by the way, we are open for business <laughs> effective uh, January 1st. Yes. All right. So I want to talk about the onboarding thing in a second, but could you describe your role here for everyone? Sure. So I am a senior consultant with a product management uh, designation, which essentially means that uh, I, I fulfill roles that senior consultants would have on our, our projects, but I have a domain expertise uh, in, in product management, particularly how product management fits into uh, the way companies do agile transformation. All right, cool. Thank you. And, and I am super impressed with the way the company has gotten behind product management and, and the support that we've got for that and the people here are just brilliant. So welcome yeah, it's, to that. It's amazing funny team. you mentioned that. It's uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I was, uh, I was actually confused when I first joined the leading agile hiring process as to what leading agile has anything to do with the, uh, with product management. And now I am too super impressed. So <laughs> cool. All right. So for the people, for those of you who are listening, who don't work at leading agile, um, the company has spent a lot of time over the past couple of years developing a really intense onboarding program where you come in and um, it's not just like it was when I was doing consulting in other companies where you get hired and they just drop you someplace and you hope that the people you work with will take the time to teach you something about the company other than how to fill out your timesheet. Um, because Leading Agile has a specific point of view on um, change management and agile transformation, it's really important that we invest the time in helping people get familiar with that, with that approach. And they have this big program. Unfortunately, it doesn't run at the end of the year during Christmas. So that's where that museum thing comes from. Um, so what did you do? Like you just got here and there was just a bunch of links. Yeah, so it's, it's really funny. It's like, I, I'm going to get the best of both worlds that you just described. Uh, and the reason is because uh, I, I, there was a desire to sort of get me into the, into the system early. So December, you know, middle of December happened and informally, you know, there was the guidance that was exactly like you just said, Hey, we don't drop our consultants just onto clients and say, yeah. good luck. So if you want to, you know, get going and get your experience up and running between, you know, December 13th, 
and maybe the end of the first week of the new year, you're going to have to, you know, self-serve as best you can. It'll be a good test of our hypothesis as to whether or not our content is up to snuff enough. And then if you can demonstrate that you, you get it and you understand the points of use and you can articulate that back, uh, then we're going to be more comfortable actually getting you um, into a, into a client site. So that was the challenge that was put forward to me. It was, it was kind of neat that it wasn't like a, a mandate. Yeah. I had the opportunity to just honestly take off this last two weeks of the year, like everybody else, if they had wanted to, but I was eager and sunk my teeth into it and really liked what I saw. So I, I to keep the imagery growing, I went to all of the exhibits and had the, uh, read all the, the luxury stuff. to actually read like <laughs> all of the, all of the templates, like, you know, our, our grandmothers who brought us to the, museum and just sort of lollygag around the rest of the group. I actually got to sit there and read every little thing, learn about it all. Um, and that was just super unique and fun. So it's sort of like your job in the beginning was just learning about the company. Yeah. Like I said, like I've never experienced it before, but like joining in the middle of December, a company like this was such a blessing in decide. It was a great way to do it. It'd be different if it was any other month where there would be sort of that clock ticking kind of feel but it was like pressure was off and I could just, just really dig into stuff. And it was just, it was really cool. And it, it benefited me as well because we, we had a call recently and I was talking about something that I didn't, I had never seen any actual explanation of it. It just seemed to be one of those things that everybody was supposed to know, but you knew exactly where it was. <laughs> you sent me the link to it. Yeah. I, I was like, I guess the, <laughs> like, like, you know, the early ages, I guess Google still does this where they like, would send things and it would just like parse through all the links on the internet to get like the the top stuff would show up at the top. I think like fundamentally that's how Google works. I, I got to like be that robot. Like I got to go through and click on every single possible link to figure out how it connected. So when the, when the question was posed, were the first principles, what are the first principles? How do we understand that ourselves? I like, I knew both that page and all of the links to that page, which is pretty yeah. funny. So what is your take on the company? Like, how has your take on the company shifted from before you got here now that you've been digging through all this stuff? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm going to, I'm going to be vulnerable, vulnerable a little bit and uh, mention my like early stage hiring. So I had an opportunity, like the opportunity came up to just get plugged into the beginning stages of the interview process. And I really sort of liked the first few interview stages. I love the fact that they did assessments, but I didn't know leading agile from any, you know, anything whatsoever. I'm, I'm not like an agile transformation junkie. I've done okay. consulting my whole career. Um, so I didn't know anything about leading agile. And I asked some people in my, in my, you know, professional network, Hey, do you know this Mike Kottmeyer guide, you know, leading agile. And one guy pinged me back and he was like, yeah. And I was like, well, you know, tell me about him. And he said, uh, I hear people either love him or they don't love him. And I was like, do you mean Mike Kottmeyer or leading agile? And he said, yes. Yes. Both. Yeah. That <laughs> so makes I, sense. I asked him to elaborate. Uh, and the answer I got was just was awesome. It was just fascinating. Um, so, uh, the answer was essentially that leading agile is known to have really, really strong points of view on certain things. Yep. Um, and so, so far I'm like rolling with it. That sounds great. I like 
I like strong points of view and consulting services in general, because that can be a good signal that like, they're not just billing hours. They actually need to accomplish something. Um, And he said, there's also an impression that can be a little elitist. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) What does this mean? I was like, all right, so let me unpack that a little bit. And it was really essentially unpacking it more with, with, with this gentleman. He, he, he was spot on. Uh, there is not only is there spot points of view, like strong points of view, um, but they sort of mean it. Like yeah. it's not a point of view and we're sort of indifferent and aware. like you, you, we believe this is the right way. We have sort of like the, the, the cream has sifted to the top and this is the stuff that companies need to, to know about. Um, there's negative connotations of the word elitist too. Like I think maybe elitist in general would be uh, have a naturally negative connotation to uh, like from a, from a very simplistic frame. But at the end of the day, um, I think there is some, some worth to being known as a, as a company who sort of wants to be at the top and believes that they're at the top. I think there's some value there. Now, yeah. As long as there's some humbleness there too, um, I think it's a it's a, it's an interesting opportunity. So once I unpacked it, I was like, "All right, well, let's keep going through the rest of the stages of the interview process," and it, uh, it worked out. I think that there is there is humbleness, but there's also the sense that I mean, I don't feel like our guys are very inclined to just or our people, sorry, to just wave their hands like jazz hands and say it depends. There's a very specific point of view and approach, and it's very intentional and very thought out and. Um, I mean, I, I'm, that was one of the things that drew me to the company was it was articulated. It wasn't just, we show mm-hmm. up and everything's awesome 30 days later. Um, there's an explanation of a path and there's ways that you can pause if you want to, if you get what you need and you need to stop, that's cool. You want to keep going. That's cool. Um, yep. and I, I, I go ahead. I also like one of the things that like drew me again, I'll, you know, I don't want to anchor too much on the word elitist, but I think it's important here. It's like, I've always run my consulting sort of career mindset from this idea of like, if I was a leader at my client, would I be paying what I'm paying to have these people do what they're doing? Like at the end of the day, if I'm going to be, you know, if, if our client leaders are treating the company money as their own money, Yep. Would they want to be paying whatever it is they're paying me for what we're trying to, what I'm trying to accomplish? And in particular, in agile transformation, I mean, the stakes are really freaking high for a lot yeah. of the client leaders there. And if you can afford it and you have a sense and, and evidence that this is a, a good team, then you're, you're going to want to pay a premium, right? Yeah. Like. You're you're gonna you're gonna want the elite sports car. You're gonna want the nice finishes in your new kitchen renovation. Like you're gonna want the, uh, the elite things if it's a right fit, and you can realize the value and the quality that you're gonna that you're gonna get. And that, frankly, is not every company nor every leader is in that position. But those leaders that I think we partner with to be as successful as the use cases have been at leading agile are the ones who rightly want sort of the best. So that's, that's a nice place to sort of get drawn into. So you mentioned the, the process of going through like all the interviews and then the analysis or tests that you had to take. Could you talk a little bit about that? Cause I know when I went through it, that wasn't in place yet. 
And I know it's yes. pretty, pretty complex. It's um, my, my experience was, was interesting. And in the, in the fact that, um, like, like I said, the timing at the end of the year was sort of unique uh, and the window of opportunity was there, but this, my first thing that I had to do um, once I just sort of had a really cursory, just, is this person even worth us talking to at a very high level? Right. I, there was like a gamut of like four different assessments. And I was, I was, I was blown away because like right out of the gate, it signaled to me, Oh, there's actually empirical data that this yeah. company wants to use to take into consideration, not only my own skill set, but I'm pretty confident these guys are going to uh, use it against me as a poor term. These guys are going to be able to, <laughs> be exposed to my weak areas or things that they need to uh, dig deeper in during the interview process based upon the data that they're going to see. And I just thought that was pretty cool. So um, there was like a a EQI assessment, some, a color coding thing. I was actually most nervous about, I can't remember. It's like a C cat. Something starts with a C. Um, but it's essentially just like a general IQ test that asks about like patterns and words and stuff like that. And I have not been in that mindset since undergrad, like preparing for SATs or I just, I I was good at tests in in high school and college and whatever, but like, I do remember preparing somewhat for that. And I took it completely cold, um, and was pleased with the results, but it was super intimidating to take something that. I'm pretty sure I even, I'll, I'll admit this here. I even Googled that particular assessment just to see what it was. And it's just like a flood of how to short circuit and like cheat the system. And I just had to close the window. Cause I was like, I can't, I just have to be myself, <laughs> but it's one of these tests that there's, you know, a whole cottage industry around how, how, to, how to get through them, give people the impression that it's good. But yeah, it was a, it was a cool gamut of um, assessments. And then from there, it was neat. I, they always paired interviewers. So uh-huh. I, I always, I was never interviewing with just one person and it was interesting to see the level of preparedness the interviewers had. Like they weren't just like rolling in after a run or like late yeah. from a call with a client. Like there was clearly a level of uh, preparedness and um, intent behind the lines of questions that they asked. And it was very different in each interview. It wasn't just like, Oh, we got to fill out the interview form kind of thing. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's one of the things like, I, I know that originally those assessments were designed to make sure that we were hiring people that had the right kind of personality types for the roles and for the organization. Um, but having been through the process just recently of interviewing somebody like having that data walking into the interview it, it totally helps you pinpoint like these are the things that I want to explore with this person. These are the kinds of things that I want to talk to them about and understand about them. It makes it a lot easier to interview. Like for me in the past, like 15 years ago was my whole thing was how you walked into the room. Like I was done by the time you sat down in the chair. If you didn't walk in like you knew what you were doing, I was like, I'm out. Um, yeah. But this, this, I was, I think it's much more fair. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so, so since we're talking about like my uh, hiring experience, there's a little bit of before and after, I'd say. So the before impression of the assessment was exactly what you just said. It actually equips, like I could pick up on the fact that it equips the interviewers with a little bit more depth than yeah. 
a resume, like resumes in general are sort of, I think there's even a book that was written, like resumes will get you, like, I think Mike even mentioned this. Mike says, yeah, the only thing it does is it keeps you from getting the job. Yeah, it keeps you from getting a job. So, so it has more depth there. I thought, I thought it was cool. And then obviously there's going to be a skills compatibility kind of thing that they could do with that to see if it's going to be a good fit. In fact, I don't, I don't know if you've looked at your own like in-depth analysis after you've taken that or if you had the opportunity. But <laughs> yeah, like, what did you actually... think? I'm curious what you thought of it when, when you got so, through yeah, it. So I, I like seeked it, sought it out. Uh, yeah, sought I, it I, out. So, so I sought it out after the fact. Like, can I dig into this stuff? I got to the point where it was exceeding my depth of understanding from like a business psychology perspective of what it was trying to articulate. So I reached out to Dr. Kelly okay. um, to like set up some time to dig into it later, which we haven't done yet. Um, but on that uh, assessment, I'm pretty sure I read where there are target zones that I'm sure somebody has worked yeah. through at the company to establish where they can sort of have risk factors as to whether or not I fall or don't fall in any dimension, like inside some target zone. So like, that's the other sort of cool part about it. That is almost like the the duh thing while you would take an assessment with a company. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. I think one of the things that's, I mean, I've taken a bunch of the ones, I don't think I've taken all four of them, but I might've taken a couple of them. And um, one of them, I, I just, I've taken the same kind of test at a number of companies and I'm terrible at it because I can't just, it's like, you know, do you want ice cream or scrambled eggs? I can't just say, I want ice cream. I, my brain goes eggs. No, but if I say eggs, they'll think I'm this kind of person. So I should say ice cream, but then they'll know that I'm lying. And I just like game yeah. the whole thing out of my head. And so the reports it's come very back. Monty Python, like blue, no yeah, green kind of thing. But right? when, when I got the report back and they told me like what my personality was like, I'm like, this seems weird. And I gave it to my wife and she's like, this isn't you at all. Um, but there's <laughs> other tests too. And so like, for me, the color coding tests uh-huh. spot on. I mean, like, Yep. That, that, that's the one that I, I hear people me. are pretty it's, it's it's nailed yeah it's really really good um, so you know what's cool about that too here's like the before the after part of that of that story is i thought that was just going to be okay they use that helps guide interview questions and we're done you'll get it afterwards maybe you can like learn more like intrinsically but the the little i don't know if you've used this but the the tool that exists essentially like the employee directory yeah. or whatever yep. they have yep. a scrubbed version of all of this associated with everyone's profile. So like right yeah. now, as you're talking, I can sit here and I can go look you up. And I am and this, the most I've, blue. I've, I've seen people, you, yeah, you're, you're, you're I am 63% the most blue. blue. In the I don't know if that's yep. like a privacy violation. I'm probably- No, it's fine. I'm, I'm super but, proud of it. <laughs> but, like, but like you can actually get that information that's like, obviously it's, it's the right type of information to be shared with the whole company. Yeah. And I've actually seen people and then started to mirror this behavior. What, what do you do when you have a conversation with a peer or a colleague or you hear a leader show up, you know, in, in, a, in a certain way on a meeting? You're like, what the heck is going on there? Normally, we're just sort of like left to speculate. Yeah. But like we actually have a depth of understanding with the whole company as like what their color is. So I've actually seen people and, and like demonstrate this. And I've started to do it myself. Like if something feels off from an interaction, we are now actually equipped with that data point for others in the company. So like if somebody had a, you know, a, a, a challenging conversation with me or it didn't go well, right? I'm going to look myself up here and see how I'm like 52% red and sort of spread out through all the other ones. So like, okay. 
it doesn't tell the whole story, but at least it's like, it's a data driven point where you can be like, Oh, you know what, Matthew, he was being a little bit more red than he needed to be kind of thing. And like, yeah. it's not just like, it's not like, Oh, Matthew's a red. Ooh, it's actually like, no, it's, it's there and it can, it can help. And there's other things there, which I, I thought was like the after story, like the after effect of the assessments yeah. is, so it's I, I want to just like a vetting tool. I want to yes end it. I, so first I want to talk about, you know, I, I said that that one assessment, I do really bad on it. Um, but even if you do bad on things like that, the great thing is it just gives the people interviewing you stuff to ask questions about. Like, I think if I was interviewed after taking one of the tests, it would totally show up that I'm like, not, you know, I don't take yeah. that test well. The, the thing that I love about being able to look up the data about, you know, the coworkers is like, I know if I'm walking into a conversation with somebody who has a red personality type, I engage differently than I would if they were yellow or white. And if yeah. you, once you study the codes, you can kind of prepare yourself for conversations and interactions in a way um, that I've never, I've never experienced anything like that. So it's, it's a, it, to me, it's an example of the fact that we get a lot of support here to like, to, to grow yeah. and to learn from each other and stuff. Um, to- totally agree. It's, it reminds me a little bit of like, I dabbled a little bit in AI stuff in uh, previous role and we did like a sentiment analysis for customer service mm-hmm. reps and at first it was a little bit creepy it was like wait a second why when a, someone calls would i like proactively seed what i what we believe based upon you know some ai you know stuff yeah that the customer is upset or happy or whatever I, obviously the upset one's a little bit easier and it's like it seems a little bit weird but it actually helps you do your job better as long as it's framed that it's it's not the end all be all right like so i'm not gonna also treat a red differently than a blue all things being equal if we're talking about something where you know we're supposed to be supporting each other or or whatever like i'm not gonna like use it against anyone if you use it for that information for good like any other piece of information that can yeah, but you would, you would approach the conversation differently. Like some people, it's about emotion. Some people, it's about logic. You know, there's there's different ways to craft the conversation so that you can provide the other person with what they need to make choices. Yeah, abs- ab- absolutely. But you you also wouldn't use it. Um, there's a there's a degree where trust, I think, comes into into play too. Where uh, like. You're not going to people aren't going people. to be avoiding all of the reds and then start some cohort of blues because what? They... that would seriously <laughs> never happen. <laughs> the blues yeah, would like, never do that. <laughs> yeah, like no, no, no one, no one I've met at Leading Agile would do that, but I've met people in my career who, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like uh, what's Peter Parker's uncle or whatever. Like with much power uncle comes ben. much responsibility. Yeah, yeah yep. Uncle Ben. You don't want to Uncle Ben too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you started digging around and it was mostly like SharePoint and stuff. I'm curious, like what was the most valuable thing that you found that, that helped you like feel like you got your head around working here and, and what it's like? to? Um, let's see. The most valuable thing that I found, the, like the content. So it's, it's actually funny because I just had a revelation about this this past weekend, but the, the content around outcome-based plans for the base camps, uh-huh. the content around um, like the compass uh, being um, emergent, convergent, yeah. predictive, adaptable, that kind of thing. Um, that was good. And then the three things stuff was really cool. But I just had this revelation this past weekend when I was 
sinking my teeth into it a little bit more. It's actually, and this is, this is crazy to say and know that it could potentially become public, but like the best stuff for all of the leading agile, like way of thinking is best conveyed on our like public facing website. Like it blew my mind, but I'm sitting here like going through. And when I referenced this weekend, I spent time like on a Saturday morning when my wife was off playing tennis, kid was at the grandparents and I made myself a bloody Mary. And I was like, you know what? I want to dig into this thing that keeps being talked about first principles. And as I'm going through there, I sort of mapped out visually how everything relates to each other. I actually recorded myself doing it just because I thought it would be funny after the fact. And I am about like a bloody Mary and a half in, and I'm trying to add some depth to <laughs> like, there was something I wasn't entirely clear on. Um, oh, I wanted to see if there was like a better explanation than what I saw on our sh- like internal SharePoint site around yeah. the compass metaphor and like that visual. Yep. So, you know, let's just go to the website. And if you actually go to leadingagile.com, and this is not a plug, this is tr- like true statement. If you go to leadingagile.com and I think you go to our compass yeah, or our some like our, whatever the main no, thing it's that called our compass. what we you do, the section's called our, our compass. compass. Yeah. That's, that's like, that's, that's it. That's the whole thing. Yep. Like that tells the story that is the fundamental point of view that consultants and leading agile is like oriented around. In fact, it's, it's frankly a little bit better than the SharePoint. And I was just sitting here thinking like, okay, that's, it made me pause because that clearly shows that just knowing the things isn't like, that doesn't scare Mike or any of the leaders in leading agile that we act, we actually tell our whole secret sauce. Like it's on our website. Yeah. Everything's on our website. And I thought that was, that was kind of cool to see. Yes. The SharePoint digging around the museum was good, but it, it was also <laughs> Like one right of these weird, museums, yeah, <laughs> taking like the museum metaphor, like maybe a little bit too far. Yeah, it's actually just as good to just watch like the documentary about the museum to learn everything you need to know. Like, yeah, it's all there. Now, do you get to experience it? Is that going to actually change your life, change your company? You know, no, that's part of what the value is that our consultants provide. But right, our Compass website actually is like. A the most distilled, most effective way to understand what our points of view are. Yeah. And also, I think it's good to help people figure out if they are the, let me, I'm trying to say this in a way that's not going to come across sounding obnoxious. Yeah. You don't want to sound elitist for sure. <laughs> there are, there are people that are in a headspace where they're kind of, I think, suited to be customers of ours. They're, they're, they're at the place where they can look at the compass and it resonates. And there's people that aren't. And I think yeah. the organizations that are like, we just have to go agile because we have to go agile. They're not the target. You know, They're not at a place exactly where right. they be able to yeah. understand what's going on. And I think that that is another thing about the company that is unique in that it draws certain kinds of customers that are ready to go on the journey we want to go on. And that, yeah. that to me is really cool. Cause I've been at other consulting companies where it was just like, yeah, give me your five bucks. You can go into the show. You know, uh-huh. um, this is not like, <laughs> I love that. It's, it's, it's so there's this good consulting companies from what I can tell. I learned this early on with a smaller consulting company that we were sort of discovering this ourselves and the, the leader that, that was there sort of stumbled upon this thing, shared it with our leadership team. And we really, you know, dug through it, but like the self-selection process 
with your customers helps everyone who walked through the door sort of self-select and really identify themselves as with whether or not there's a they're a core customer, right? They're yeah. the target customer. And that is a mutually beneficial thing. Like I'm sure marketing gurus or whatever talk about this all the time. But when you start funneling people down the, you know, the, the marketing funnel or um, the, the degree to which I fully understand the, that imagery, I'm not entirely sure. But like you certainly want to make sure that when you get to the point where someone is willing to commit money to a consulting firm to do something, like you need to have the right fit both yeah. ways. Yeah. <laughs> And it's an easy way to, to self-select in that sense. I love that. <laughs> Give me five dollars and you can just come to the show. That's a yeah, that's a that's a, there's a lot. I mean, sure. there's a lot of places like that, you know. And then I think I don't know, I'm glad I'm not at one of those places anymore. Um, yeah. So what advice do you have for somebody who is coming on board now? I mean, you're you're about to go through this whole onboarding thing, and I definitely want to check in after you've gone through it and see how. Um, how much of it you already had in your head or how it changes. But um, like if somebody just got hired today, right. What, what would you, what would your suggestion be to them? Um, it's funny you mentioned this uh, because I shared this with a colleague a couple of days ago. I, <laughs> it might be too late at this point if they just got hired. <laughs> um, but I think what's really important is how how new hires show up they they there really needs to be a strong desire to show up and not to try and poke holes or find change like like challenge and and find gaps in the whatever points of views you're you're encountering and i say that not because you shouldn't challenge or you shouldn't poke holes but there is such a degree of maturity and investment that leading agile has put into these points of views, which are really important to how leading agile operates, that it is a uh, very low return on the investment of time to try to find what's wrong with these pretty watertight points of view at this perspective. Like uh, at that juncture where you just started, it would yeah. be more useful for everyone involved to absorb and learn and see if you can apply these points of view. Sort of you start on your fighting own. against it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Before you start fighting, you're, you're finding all of these things. Not to say that like you d- definitely keep a list on the side. I think every consultant at leading agile and in the world should maintain a list of their own points of view, and they're not always going to line up with the company that you work with, right? But Leading Agile, since it's so strong on its point of view, it's really important as you join to give it your best shot at actually adopting the points of views. That's what, the, that's what our clients are paying us to do. Yeah. That's what the leadership team expects us to do. And that is probably going to be keep you out of a, a churn that's not valuable for you or the company yeah. to try to like change right out of the gate. Yeah. Now at the same Understand time, it before you try yes. to bend it. Yeah, exactly. Now at, at the same time, I'm not trying at all to frame leading agile is like stuck in its ways. You actually look at what's happening with some of the evolution of the product management or the technical yeah. practice, or like there is in a, like more than any company I've ever been at, there is invention, there is methodology vetting and 
doing these things, but there's whole systems of how that operates and it's really, really intentional. And so as new people, um, it's just not a, it's not a fruitful effort for anyone to, to, to think that, well, because you're a really smart person, you sort of had to be a smart person. If you got hired, yeah. then your points of view are of the same order of magnitude as the leading agile points of view. Cause yeah. Early stages, they're not. Maybe down the road, they are, but early stages, they're just. Well, I think that everybody's point of view is valid. It's just that you don't understand. You're arguing against something you don't understand. Exactly, and I think people that are super that are that are highly intelligent that have are very successful, particularly if they're if they're reds, um, you're you're gonna think that that's that there's space there for that because there was probably space there for that in every other place you've ever worked at, maybe. Yeah. but there's space there for that at the, once you gain an understanding of um, the leading agile point of view and can demonstrate that. Um, yeah. Well, I think, you know, to the point of it being maybe on the elite side, people that we hire are really smart. And so any place else, I'd ex- any place, I'd expect them to challenge everything. But if you're in a room of 15 people who spent 10 years challenging the thing that you think you're going to be the one who's like, ta-da! Exactly. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. I think that, and I, I'm actually like, I, you know, I have a product management designation and like, I'm going to be honest, I'm not like a product management, like junkie or even an agile transformation junkie. I'm really interested from an early part of my career, just understanding how consulting services can be like an effective value proposition in, in the world. Um, oh, okay. And so the thing, the thing to think about that I, that I always think and, and like mentor others, especially like really young, like go-getters that are right out of college or whatever they, you know, that's a natural thing to do. It's like, you have to remember, like, we're not in the business of like sitting around debating methodology. Is that something that we need to do? Sure. But like, we are in the business of providing value to clients. And at yeah. the end of the day, like clients need us to more likely than not deliver on the things that we said that, you know, our leaders said that they would deliver on. And so for yeah. us to do that, your first step, like needs to be understanding what the points of view were. We're not, we don't get a, we don't provide any value to our clients directly. If all we do all day long is just sit around and think about the interesting ways to do things better. Yeah. Like at well, the end of the day, we, the we also have to apply. Too. Exactly. Yeah. So, I want to ask you about um, support from from colleagues, like other people you're working with here. So did you get, you know, if you have not been able to go, to go through the actual official onboarding, have you gotten decent support from people on the team that you're working with and things like that? Yeah. So right out of the gate, it was cool that they, there's a, like an onboarding list that uh, sort of guided you through um, things that you needed to, to focus on and also there's like five videos that were recordings of like important moments in leading actual like conversation, which was sort of yeah. crazy to be able to go back in time and be in the room in 2018 when Mike on a random Tuesday night, you know, gave this really important perspective that ended up shaping the rest of the company. And like they recorded it. That's like part of your training. Yeah. Um, so there's that stuff. That's like the, the onboarding, uh, you know, what I used to think of as fodder, but again, it was impressive in terms of like the actual richness of the content. The company has a really like healthy Slack culture. Yeah. So when I talk about like Slack culture and like 
um, asynchronous communication, which doesn't really mean anything to people, but this is that idea of how do you use Slack or teams or whatever to communicate in a way that's not just really freaking annoying. Yeah. Um, And just like uh, text messages on steroids, like how do you use it effectively? The company culture, I think the, the way that Slack is used is truly asynchronous. Like I have not gotten any, shade thrown at me for not responding immediately to a Slack message. Yeah. That being said, you know, if I'm not engaged in Slack and it, you know, there's something posted in the thing, it might get sorted out with my, without my input, which is actually good. It actually reduces barriers to, to certain things. So there's yep. just a really healthy engagement and, you know, they have all the usual channels that companies would have around Slack, but they're actually pretty actively involved. There's an actual, um, there's a, like a, an, a, an, uh, a living active shout out channel. I've been at other companies and their shout outs and it's like really sad to join a company and then look at like the shout outs or the kudos channel. And there hasn't been one yet. <laughs> there hasn't been one <laughs> forever. So that's pretty active. Um, yeah, I think they, the company uses Slack really, really well, which I think is, has been nice. Okay. Um, there's also about, oh, a practice and stuff like that. Um, I think that's where you and I first met. Yeah. Um, I know I, at the, at the moment as a new person, I like the fact that they exist, but again, you already hear me frame my mindset. Like I, I normally just pose questions to those forums. Yeah. I don't feel as if I have a lot to add from a, um, answer perspective at this stage. Not that I don't have like well-formed opinions and points yep. of view on the things that we're talking about, but, um, I, I have to suppress my points of view because I need to get out of it at this stage in my career or like at this stage of my leading, like leading agile more about the, the points of view. So that's why I just have yeah. sort of like a, a love hate relationship with those forums is um, they, I need to be self-disciplined in how I engage and show up in, in them, which is hard for a, a 52% red. But it's well, I, I think <laughs> one of the things that, that Rachel Howard said to me at one point, because we used to have a number of different channels like that, and I was overwhelmed by um, how many things I thought I was supposed to check every day. And somebody who used to work here explained to me that the idea was you can, you can engage at whatever level you're comfortable with um, through whatever means you want to. So if you want to do instant messenger, you want to do... Um, I think we had Yammer at the time. We might still have Yammer. I don't know. You want to do Slack. You want to do whatever. There's a path for that. And everybody can engage with the people they need to engage with in a way that's comfortable to them. Yeah. Um, it's it's very much, um, it's actually real. Like I didn't know, I've heard, I've had friends who have, who are companies that are like that, but it's very much, you know, open invite. You have access to see all the channels and you can join them, but there's not that weird subliminal guilt if you're yeah. not like even the like mike and the leadership team and and, and hr like there's there's an intentionality about we expect our you know people to to put in you know what they're what they expect to get out of it like we're not gonna we're too small of a company to do all of the work for you yeah. that being said we're big enough that we need to create that the channels, like literally the channels in Slack, but also figuratively the access points to the community 
for people to be able to invest in and have some sort of reward if they choose to do that. Um, I haven't been here long enough to know what happens to those folks who try to shrink into the background, but I would pretty sure given how results oriented, it sounds like the leadership team is that sorts itself out. Um, just from a, again, self-selection. Yeah. I don't know if you hire people to do that. that I I would imagine, I would imagine that hopefully if, if, you know, the talent team is, is continuing to do that, that that's not going to be the case, but like you, you, there is an expectation that you are self-driven and to this stage, I do not see limits to what I could get back if I get engaged in the different opportunities for sure. All right. I got one more. Okay. I'm curious to hear what you think about the O&I calls. Because I've not been at a place, I had never been at a company that did that with such ferocity before. And and they've gone, they've evolved a lot over the past couple of years. But I'm I'm curious to hear your take on that. The O&I calls, I sigh because I don't want to sound like I'm like fangirling here, but the O&I calls are hands down my favorite part of the experience of leaving Agile. Okay, why? Well, wait, first, how would you explain them to somebody? Uh, 7.30 to 8.30, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Eastern time, which is like an ungodly hour for the Pacific folks, but miraculously, most of them still show up. Um, The whole company gets on a call and the leadership team, like the top of the top, um, are expected to be actively engaged. And in these calls, they take like one of, I think, looks like three or four different forms. Sometimes it's just around the horn with the uh, C-suite, like talking about things that they're working on, typically digs into sales because at the end of the day, that's, you know, the buck stops with them, making sure that we're getting the right clients right. and progressing deals. So there's that form. There's a form for communities of practice and other communities to present stuff to the group. And then there's sort of account reviews where we talk collectively about lessons learned and retrospective on just accounts and things like that. So that's the topics and the nature of the conversation, at least since I've joined middle of December, which is, I believe when it started to reshape into its current form or thereabouts is it's, (laughs) it's this fascinating opportunity to have just really candid conversation with and among like the decision makers in the company. So more often than not, Mike is crazy engaged in the actual conversation. Even if it's something like as low as some specific slide on a presentation or as big as like a big client, you know, and, and how that's you know, how we're tackling that account. He gets into every aspect of what gets talked about and essentially um, shares his perspective on it and um, doesn't do it in a, like a trivial way. He actually genuinely engages and he encourages and his leadership team does a fantastic job for the most part of engaging in the actual thing that we're talking about and unpacking it and maybe repacking it, maybe tearing it down and building back up in a different way because that's how they would tackle whatever topic. And it's just this, like, I feel it, it feels to me like the O and I call, um, as, as, as charged as it can be. And I'm happy to unpack that with you too. 
it's like a um it's it's like a direct it's it's like a direct um injection of leadership into the veins of the body like it's like this weird highly concentrated again highly charged um like injection that the company gets every maybe injection is maybe it's like it's it's like a it's like a double espresso for the whole company every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning and a, and a good healthy wake up and, and here's what we're going to tackle together kind of way. Yeah. So, so for anybody who's not familiar with the idea of an ONI call, it's an operations and intelligence briefing. It came from team of teams by Stanley McChrystal. And um, the way it's evolved for us, it is like those account reviews. So anything that's going on in the company, you can find out about just by being on these calls. Um, now, 7.30 in the morning is early for a lot of people. It's obviously harsher for West Coast. I am somebody who goes to bed really, really late. So 7.30 in the morning for me, not so much. But we record all these calls. And so like that is another example of how you can engage asynchronously. I always listen to them afterwards. Um, I tried. We also have a text printout, which I tried reading, but you don't, to that injection thing, you don't get the same intensity from reading about what was talked about as you do from listening to the debate that goes on as ideas are evolved and challenged. And uh, I don't know, it's just, I, I agree with you. It is what it is a really, really valuable thing. Um, and I'm glad yeah. to have them. Yeah. It's interesting. Like in my mind's eye, if I, I, I started my career with like IBM. And if you ever work at a big company, which actually resonates with a lot of our, of our clients, you sometimes work through the scenarios like, what if the CEO invited me to uh, to lunch? Right. What we talk about, and while the conversation isn't always one on one with you and the CEO, it's consistently creating the forum where you might not be the person eating lunch with the CEO, but you're sitting right next to him. Yeah. Like in the in the cafeteria. So like every single day, you get to go eat lunch with the CEO while he's meeting with whoever, you know, got, got the, won the raffle prize to go eat with the CEO, you get to sit at their table. You know, for the most part, you're, 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 you're allowed to speak, but if you don't have something valuable to say, you're probably uh, disinclined to, to, to chime in just because that's, you know, everybody has a lot of good ideas, but you shouldn't always be sharing them all the time for the yeah. benefit of the whole group. Like you're getting invited to the CEO's lunch every single day. That's what it feels like. And that is a, I have never felt that level that of access for the company. Unique. This, this it's, it's, it's unique and it helps you. Like Mike talked about it this morning on the ONI call. This is the most efficient way for him to disseminate his points of view and how he approaches things, which is super critical because yeah. he's a critical point of view that's been codified but also that's like out on the streets and evolving clients who (laughs) who might want to do business with us yeah so i'm not going to ever operate exactly like mike i'm not going to react to everything exactly like mike but i can at least get closer to um, operating like mike and his mindset and how he approaches things and it's uh it's just it's hands down my favorite part of leading actual cool I really appreciate you making time for this. Um, and I definitely want to come back and do another one after you've gone through 
the full onboarding after all the Kool-Aid's been poured down your throat. <laughs> um, exactly. I've just been like sampling like a little, you know, <laughs> tasters of everything on my own. But if I don't like the taste of something, I, I was able to leave now. Yeah. I'm just going to. Yeah. It's all going. Yeah. So what if people uh, have qu- follow-up questions for you? If anybody wants to check in with you, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah. So you can email me at matthew.oats. That's O-A-T-T-S at leadingagile.com. That's the best way to reach out to me. You can also just search me on LinkedIn. Matthew Oates, last name O-A-T-T-S. I have a uniquely spelled name, which helps for personal branding. So, (laughs) All right. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate this. Yeah, I appreciate it, Davis. Great.